Glad that you're here tonight. Uh, any literary or literature buffs out there that you've read, you feel cultured a little bit. Uh, I'm going to read a quote to you. I want you to try to guess where it's from. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, the age of foolishness, the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Anyone know? A Tale of Two Cities. You are correct. It came from somewhere over there. Charles Dickens, writing about the French Revolution. And he may have captured how it actually feels when it comes to our words as well. Sometimes we get our words or people that are speaking words over us, and it is the best of times. We get encouraged. We kind of say some inspiring things to other people. And yet other times, it's like the worst of times. And we either say something that just really hurts and damages and destroys others, or uh, we kind of have that spoken over us or into us or toward us, and we begin to receive those, and it's the best of times, and it's the worst of times. How many of you here have opened your mouth and inserted your foot before? Maybe flossed with your shoelace while it was in there, and you're desperately looking for the reset button in life, and you realize life is not an Xbox game, and it doesn't come with that, and your wish to all wishes, like that you could have started over how many husbands are with, okay, so like just, um, that's, that's us, that's me, that's my house sometimes, and I'm like, oh, dear Lord, my mother raised me better than this, what was, uh, and so sometimes you, we say things and we, and we wish, maybe sometimes if, if we're just honest and maybe it was just you and me at the coffee shop, you could admit to like, I've had some things said over me, Jack, that I don't know if I would ever say that over my worst enemy. And yet it came from a family member or someone close or someone I looked up to and, and they whispered something. And maybe it was even just a whisper. And yet the destruction was vast, deep within. And maybe you've been on the receiving end or the giving end of both of those. Um, we know conflict happens. There's a study in the UK that said that couples uh, will bicker, and that's how you know it's from the UK. They use the word bicker. Uh, couples bicker over 2,400 times throughout the year. And I thought, I don't know if that is your marriage or not, and, and I'm not here to, to say good or bad. I'm just saying, like, conflict is a part of life. How many of you have been in conflict before? How many of you are alive and breathing right now? Okay, so, like, that's all of us. We've been in conflict before, and, and here's what you know about conflict. And whether you recognize it in the moment or not, here's what you got to know. Every single person in that conflict and what they're having – they each have the same wish. And you may not know it because your emotions are riled up and you may not see it because you're trying to get your way understood, but both parties want the same thing. And what they want is to be heard and understood. Ultimately, that's what they want. They want to be heard and understood. That They want to be to the place where I can hear and understand and that you are hearing and understanding me. And if you're going to say something, maybe like even if it's a grunt, at least just let me know that you heard me and that you're trying to understand me. And that's what we long for the other person. And both people want the same thing. Now, again, you may not feel that. You may not recognize that in the moment of conflict. But that's the reality of what's going on. I want you to listen to me. We may not agree, but I want to know that you heard me. 
I want to know that you can understand me. After all, I can't really hear you until I feel that you've actually kind of heard me. And you can't really hear me until, in some extent, I've heard you, right? Everybody understands that. It might be describing the tension within your home right now. It might be describing the tension that maybe you've had with friendships or relationships in the past or currently. I bet I'm describing a little bit of the tension of our culture right now. Shall we say political, even? The reality of so much of our culture just screams. And yet what we all really want is to be heard and to be understood. And so today we're kind of launching a series for the next few weeks here, uh, looking at the word on words and just some biblical wisdom and how we go about understanding how we speak, how we use our words. What does the scripture have to say about that? What do some of the scripture writers have to say? Is there some wisdom for us? Because here's my hunch. All of us want that. And yet it's challenging in the midst of of living out day-to-day life. And and all of us, I know this, want our culture to be better at it. And you know how that starts? Raise your hand when you get better at it. Because I know some of you might be sitting here going, oh, the word on words, all about speech. Man, I wish my teenager was here. Or I wish my wife would hear this and you elbow secretly, but you don't really do it because that's dumb. Maybe your wife is nudging you. I, I hope you pay attention in that. But listen, listen. Before you assign this to someone else, realize this is about your tongue. This is about your speech. It's about mine. It's about us owning the reality of how we go about using our words. And is there a different way to leverage them? Now, if you're a Christian here, if one who's fallen after Jesus, I think this is awesome. And it's going to really help you as you begin to walk after Jesus and follow him and live out the life that he's calling you to. And if you're not a Christian, and maybe someone had just invited you and promised you dinner, and that's super cool. Hope they take you to a good place. Um, and, and let me know where you're going, because maybe I'll go. Uh, but this idea that I hope somewhere in here you'd find some wisdom that might actually help your life get better and maybe you begin to go on a journey of figuring out who is this Jesus that they're talking about and maybe you might discover something realizing that here's the truth for all of us it takes two years to learn to talk approximately and it takes the rest of one's life to learn how to control what we say true and so maybe there's some wisdom in here for us. So if you have your Bibles or if you want to follow along in the, on the, the message notes, the sermon notes, and the app, you can open it up and, and go there. But we're going to James chapter 1. So James is kind of toward the tail end of the Bible. Uh, the last three or four books there, you'll find James. James chapter 1 is where we're going. I want to read kind of a, a passage, a chunk for us, and then I want to kind of unpack it a little bit tonight to try to get to one new rhythm that James is introducing here that I think would be revolutionary to your relationships and to my relationships and to our culture if we actually got this and begin to practice living this out. And so James is an incredible book. Uh, James was a leader in the early church in the Jerusalem church there, and we'll kind of unpack him a little bit here in a second. But I want you to hear what he says. So listen to this. Uh, Verse 19, chapter 1, he says this, My dear brothers and sisters, and just for a side note, Sisters, ladies, you need to know that Jesus is for women. And what you may not understand is that in the first century, when this is being written, this was revolutionary to actually speak and include women 
in the context of this. And James is saying, look, this Jesus news is a news for everybody, men and women. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, meaning listen up, pay attention, get your pen ready. I'm going to tell you something. And here he goes. Everyone, so who does that exclude? No one. So everyone, it's an all skate. Here we go. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Then you skip down to verse 26. He says this, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Woo! James doesn't pull any punches. What's fascinating about James is, uh, if you read through this book, it, it's one that's very fast-paced, very practical in nature. It's filled with incredible wisdom and some practices, spiritual practices and habits that we're to have. And James kind of pulls this out and he's really kind of punching away at this. And he introduces right here the kind of a new rhythm that if we were to get this, if you, if me, if we were to get this, will have dynamic impact into your relationship, into your relationships. And here's the rhythm he introduces. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. So just for fun, I'd like for us to practice this together. So we're going to repeat it together. And when we get to the slow part, if you want to put a little rhythm to it, a little jazz, if you want to put a little funk to it, I don't care uh, how it is for you, you be you, okay? So ready? Here we go. Quick to listen and slow to speak. One more time, that sounded so good. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And just for kicks, one last time. Quick to listen and slow to speak. I could stop right there, but I'm not. <laughs> That's the point, friends. Now I want to help you unpack and help us unpack why that matters. Because James is introducing something. James is an incredible book. It's a letter written to the church in Jerusalem and to the church surrounding Jerusalem back in the first century. What's fascinating is James is kind of a, James is a pretty popular guy. He's the leader of the Jerusalem church, but he's not the most popular. In fact, he has someone who's more popular than him. Any guesses to who it is? It's his brother. Jesus. This is the Sunday school answer. James is the younger brother of Jesus. What's fascinating, friends, and especially if you are kind of investigating Christian faith or just kind of Christianity as a whole, is you have to see this. James is the younger brother of Jesus. Think about that. You think you had someone's shadow to overcome, okay? James is never hardly even mentioned in the story of Jesus until the end of Jesus' story. Why? Because I bet if you had a brother who claimed to be the Messiah, you would be like, nope. And so the whole story of Jesus unfolds, and James isn't really seen at all until the very end. 
And here's what you got to know. James was probably standing with Mary or around nearby and watched his brother be crucified and killed. And listen, three days later, he's having breakfast with him on the beach. What? When you have, bre- when you have breakfast with your dead brother and he's alive again on the beach, it throws out every misconception you ever had. Something happened, friends. I think one of the greatest evidences for the Christian faith might be James. Him being the brother of Jesus, saying, no, 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 we're not part of this story because this story is like crazy train, This this is crazy, and then something happens. His brother gets up out of the grave, and James goes on to be the leader of the early Jerusalem church. Why? Because something happened. He's in the church. If you were to show up in Jerusalem in the first century, you would go to like the first Christian church because it literally was the first Christian church, and you would go there and you would see James preaching or doing slides or leading the worship or welcoming you at the door. I don't know what he'd all be doing, but you would see James doing that in the very city that all this unfolded, meaning if it's false or fake or not true, it would be it would be validated that it wasn't true. But here's James. Now, if you're a skeptic, just sit on that for a little bit. Like, literally, think about that. The validity that that gives to the Christian faith is tremendous. And James had a nickname. His nickname was James the Just. And he was leading the Jerusalem church, preaching about his brother and his Savior, Jesus. It changed the world. And it changed Jerusalem and changed beyond there and the reach that it had. And James was stoned to death for his faith in his Savior, Jesus, who happened to be his brother. That is an amazing story. You can read about it. Josephus, a Jewish historian, writes about his death in about 62, 63 A.D., where he is stoned for his faith and preaching about the resurrection. And you can read about it outside of the Bible. You can read about it. And so if you're struggling with faith, I would just encourage you to read about it. Read about James and study him and get to know him a little bit. And in this church, he writes this letter to say, hey, I want you to understand what's going on. So let me get a quick drink here. Here's how he starts. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, meaning listen up. Pay attention, here's something coming. Everyone, it's an all skate, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. How do you listen quickly? You can't speed up someone's talking, though I have tried that at times in my own home. And after 25 years of marriage, you would think I would have learned this lesson. Women, you have an incredible ability to remember every detail. And in sometimes when Amy's telling me a story and I'm, I feel myself trying to speed up, and that is never good. It has never been good, so don't do it. If you're newly, you think about getting married, listen, just save yourself some trouble and don't be dumb like me, okay? So like, don't try to speed up people talking. How do you listen? You listen quickly. Be quick to listen, which means, Jack, you, you listen. You don't try to speed up. 
You don't try to short circuit. You make listening your first priority. It's exactly what you want the other person to do when you're talking, because you both want the same thing. I want to be heard. I want to be understood. And so if you want that, then you've got to give that. Quick to listen. It's kind of just taking a nuance of what Jesus said, do unto others is what you would want them to do unto you. It's just giving a practical expression to that. And so you want others to listen to you, yeah, well then you listen to them. Be quick to listen. Become curious. Listen. Ask a question. Listen to them. Listen clearly for what's being said and listen for what's being unsaid. What's going unsaid. And then when it comes to your words, be slow, whoa, whoa, whoa to speak. When it comes to your words, wait. Be late with your words. Be late. Delay. Don't jump in. Be quick to listen. Listen to learn first. And in the midst of conversation, and especially in the midst of conflict, be curious and ask questions. But Jack, you don't understand. I only have so much time because I am so muy importante. And so I don't understand, I have to keep going in life, I have so much to do, and if I just ask a question, well, then they're going to keep going down rabbit trails, and it's going to be longer and longer and longer. And James would say to you, yes, be quick to listen. He'd probably let that awkwardness sit there for a little bit. Be quick to listen. It's your first responsibility to listen beyond words, to listen for accuracy, for information, for perspective. Don't just ask one question, he might say. He might say, ask three. Whoa, you're messing with me. Yeah, it's a whole new rhythm. Richard Foster writes this, let's discipline ourselves so that our words are full and few. Quick to listen, slow to speak. This is the godly rhythm to conversation, to conflict, to communication. Listen, it is not the rhythm of our culture, is it? Our culture flips this, doesn't it? Our culture says, no, you be quick to talk and shout and shout louder if people aren't listening. Drown them out with your shouting. Become tribal with your shouting. Oh, touchy, touchy. You don't be quick to listen. In fact, you be quick to talk and slow to listen. That's what our culture pushes us. That's the narrative. That's the undercurrent of where we all live. And James is saying, I have a new rhythm for you. And it will help you and it will bless your relationships. He's writing this letter to believers And so he's saying, as believers, this is the practice you're to have. Be quick to listen. Slow, 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 whoa, whoa, to speak. If you want your relationships to go to deeper levels, if you want your relationships to be for one another, you have to practice a new rhythm. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. As a parent, how I would love for my kids to get this. Listen. Some of my biggest mistakes as a parent is when I didn't get this. And I just practiced what the culture says. Be quick to talk and slow to listen. 
And what happens is we get agitated and voices begin to go and anger begins to develop and pretty much shouting is happening in those moments. And I might be bigger and my wallet might be bigger and so I win, but I don't win. And so in that moment, I have to go and apologize. And one of the great lessons my dad taught me, showed me, was apologizing. And so I've had to practice that with my own kids. I don't like that. But to go and say, look, I, I blew it there. Because I didn't practice this. I just lived out normal. Because normal is all around us. And I blew you over. And I ran over you. And I'm really sorry. I should have listened. You know, for some of us, this idea of anyone, I think of a parent or you think of a boss or you think of a manager in some capacity, and the reality is we can begin to think that, okay, we have the authority bucket, I have the wisdom bucket, I have the insight bucket, I've been here longer, and so you as a teenager, you don't have full frontal development yet, and so like you, you just be quiet and I'm going to talk over you, or you haven't been here long enough in the company, or you don't sit in the seat where I sit to see all these things, so you just be quiet and I'm just going to give you the wisdom and the insight and the authority that I have and I'm going to talk over you and then we wonder why people move out of earshot and they don't engage because we're practicing be quick to talk slow to listen instead of living with a rhythm that James is introducing here be quick to listen and slow to speak listen to learn see You can have a truth in your family and you can have a truth in any relationship you have and you can be right and still write people out of a relationship with you. You can be right and still write the very ones you love right out of a relationship with you or right out of connection with you because you're so bent on being right. And it's a challenge. Because we want to be heard and understood. And guess what the other person wants? To be heard and understood. We know this to be true. And so James is introducing this countercultural rhythm. Be quick to listen, slow, whoa, 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 to speak. And then he kind of goes on. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. See, anger is both the kind of understanding slow to anger is both a result and a decision. If we're quick to listen and slow to speak, we will be slower to get angry. James isn't saying don't ever get angry. That's impossible. What he's saying is, look, don't let quick anger flare up relationally. Don't, if you're quick to listen and you're slow to speak and you're going into this conversation with the idea of I want to learn, I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to be curious. I'm going to be slow to speak because I want to hear what's going on. I want them to know I heard them and I understand. And I want the same thing for me. And when I go in that way, I will be slow to anger. It doesn't flare up. There isn't um, something that kind of goes. But when we flip it and go the other way and kind of go the way of the world, we see this, Proverbs 15.1. Maybe you've seen this lived out. A gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. Anyone been on the receiving end of this or given this out? Solomon's writing, saying, look, this is truth. This is real. This is real when you practice this. So when you're not quick to listen or slow to speak, we tend to become angry. We draw hasty conclusions or misinformed realities, and we begin to hurt people. James is kind of introducing the formula here. The longer you listen, the more you will learn if you're quick to listen, 
and the less angry you'll be. If you're quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. See, everyone that, or everything that everyone ever says makes perfect sense to them. Everything that everyone does makes perfect sense to them. And so if you ever find yourself saying, I don't know why anyone would think that way. I don't know why anyone would say that. Guess who needs the education in that moment? I'll give you a hint. I don't know. The eyes have it. And it's us, because we need to be quick to listen, listen to understand, to educate yourself. When you're just listening to reply, rather than to understand, you're not learning anything. And when you're not learning anything, you can't grow the relationship deeper and better and stronger. And so you listen to learn. You listen to learn and grow. And James goes on and he says the why. Here's the why you want to do this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because, if you have a Bible, circle the word because. Because here's your why. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce, does not cultivate the rightness of how to live life God's way. It doesn't lead you to the place where you get to live the way God says this is the best possible way to live. Anger always short circuits that. Now, it's not wrong to get angry, but what James is talking about is in the context of relationships, in the context of conversations, and especially around conflict. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. There are three agendas going on, and we may not recognize it, but I want to point it out to you. When you're in a conflict or conversation that kind of goes toward conflict, you have to remember there is your agenda and you want to be seen as right. That's why you're having the conflict, because you're right. The other person wants you to see that they are right. And God has an agenda. And he wants you to be right with one another. And this challenge is, we want to be right at one another, and God longs for us to be right with one another. And when we're not quick to listen, or slow to speak, or slow to become angry, we begin short-circuiting and sabotaging the ability to be right one to another. That doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. And that doesn't mean that your way isn't necessarily or technically right or the other person's isn't. It just means God's agenda is for you to be right with one another. And so that's the longing. Jesus gave us a new command. Do you remember what he said? John 13, 34, you are to love one another. How? As I have loved you. And Jesus showed that all the way to the cross. As I have loved you, you are to love one another. I'm concerned about you being right with one another. And friends, we live in a culture that screams, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And we want to be right at other people. And God's saying, no, no, I want you to be right with other people. And that doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. That doesn't mean that you're trying to convince them to agree with you. That just means we got to be right one to another. See, if, if I'm right and I yell that I'm right and I won the argument and she lost, well, where'd she go? I don't know, but I won. 
No one wins when you win that way, right? See, you can win the argument and not really win anything. In fact, you actually lose because you're not right with one another. And it becomes this challenge. See, sharing our opinions with one another is optional. Sharing our love with one another is not. And so this challenge to be right with one another, that's what Jesus is saying. I I want you to love one another. As I have loved you, sacrificially, putting your needs above mine, with one another. The rhythm sounds easy, but to be quick to listen is a challenge, especially in a culture that loves to talk. I love what Henry Nouwen says this. It's kind of, I think, a really profound quote. He says, to listen is very hard because it it asks of us so much interior stability that we no longer need to prove ourselves by speeches or arguments or statements. True listeners no longer have an inner need to make their presence known. And in a culture that always wants to announce the presence, and my presence is here because I'm right, and you need to know that, has a way of short-circuiting things. See, differences can be and should be an invitation for dialogue, not division. And it means we can learn from one another, and we can be for each other. We can be living out a new rhythm. And so what was our rhythm? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Here's the challenge this week. Memorize James 1.19. Just memorize it. On the way out tonight, you're being given a little business card that has this written on, on it for you. We have already gone to the level of believing in you that you can do this, that we have recorded it, and we will hand it to you to encourage you to do this. Put this to memory. Why? Because it's the right rhythm in a culture that lives nothing like this. And it's the countercultural movement of Jesus to say, we want to be this way. And so I'm just going to read this text to you again and let it sit with you and let the Holy Spirit kind of maybe nudge you in a way that what's part that you need to own? What's your next step in this? How is this or how could this help your relationships if you were to take and make movement in it? And so just listen to this, and then I'll close this in prayer. James writes, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. It's fascinating. I, didn't, I don't have time to unpack this. Jesus, uh, what James is saying is, look, get rid of this moral filth. It's almost like taking off a letterman jacket. You have all this stuff on you of the culture and the ways it goes. You're to remove that. That's what he's saying. Take this off and take in humility, this word that's planted in you. Jesus speaks about this. That the good person produces, the, it kind of reveals good that comes from within them. But the evil person kind of produces or talks about the evil that comes out from them. And what he's saying is, look, the word, Jesus, is implanted in you. Let that grow. 
So be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Take off the stuff that you don't need and that your life is not called to and let the Jesus that's been planted in you begin to produce the good that is in you and will continue to grow with you. And then he rounds it out, verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Now he then goes on to unpack what good religion is like in the very next verse. But he's got some challenging words for us. We'll pick up in James chapter 3 next week some things of what he says about the tongue. And so for you, friends, just one more time, all together, we ready? What's the new rhythm? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Memorize James 1.19. Father, this is a rhythm of speech and words and language and communication that our world desperately, my world, desperately, I need this rhythm to be more prevalent in me. God, I think each one of us here would own that. It's so normal, so easy to be normal in our culture and just to be quick to talk and slow to listen and to become angry quick, to kind of take a stand for ourselves. It's easy to shout that I'm right and write people right out of relationship with us or connection with us or engagement to us. Father, what if a group of people actually begin to live this out and how it would change their families and how it would change their relationships and their friendships and how that group of people living this out for a watching world to see would begin to have influence into a people who are stuck in normal crave to be abnormal, to be different, to live better. So Jesus, we remember your life and your death and your resurrection. As we pause to take communion, we remember that it was your life and your teachings that inspired even James, your brother. It's your resurrection that convinced him and he spoke about it to his dying breath. And we live as people of the resurrection now. And so as we take this bread and we take this juice, remembering your sacrifice, may it empower us to remember again, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, to live by a new rhythm that will bless not only our own life, but every single one around us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you.